Amen. We're going to go to John chapter 8, verse 3 to 11. Just a simple topic tonight, which is usually the case anyway. But uh, I didn't tell these people what I was preaching about, and they've been singing about it, so it's a good song. John 8, verse 3, says, And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. When they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down with his finger wrote in the ground as though he heard them not. But when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote in the ground. When they, and they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one beginning at the eldest even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are thou thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Talk a few minutes. The title, because you need to have a title, I guess. He's writing on the ground. Let's pray one more time together. Jesus, God, I thank you for your presence that's here. God, I thank you for your spirit and your anointing. God, I pray in your name, Jesus, you would continue to minister. God, continue to work in lives tonight in the service. I pray, God, we turn everything over to you. God, let your will be done, I pray. In Jesus' name, God, I pray that you would God, set someone free tonight. In Jesus' name, I pray. Let your will be done. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated if you'd like, or stay, I don't know, whatever. I stand the whole time. We live in a society that is obsessed with what people think. We say that we don't care, but we, we do. Um, the internet, we have Instagram, we have Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, YouTube, all these different ways to connect with with people, and people are constantly posting and sharing and comparing themselves with others around them. And we're worried if people like us or not. They're worried if people like them or not. I have a, a girl I worked with um, on Instagram. She, for some reason, followed me, so I followed her, whatever people do. And, and she posted a, a picture of herself, and I'm usually pretty cautious about what I like on these things. Um, and she said to me at work, she was like, how come you didn't like my picture? And there was like 500 other people that liked it. I'm like, why does it matter? There's 500 other people that liked it. But she was concerned because I didn't like it. Not because I didn't like her, I just felt uncomfortable liking pictures of girls' faces, I guess. But she was worried whether or not, you know, what I thought about it, which is just mine boggling to me. And people, they get paid to be an influencer, which is literally they do nothing except post things 
online for other brands and influence other people to do things that these companies want them to do. It's a bunch of nonsense if you ask me, but if people don't get the likes that they're looking for, the response that they're looking for, they go into a depression and it's crazy how it is. I used to worry a lot about whether people liked me or not, and then I realized it didn't matter <laughs> one day. After getting yelled at all day by customers, I run home and I was like, you know what, I don't even care anymore. <laughs> I went in the, the house and uh, Annabelle or Julia, one of them ran up to me and gave me a hug and I was like, this is what matters. I don't care what the rest of them think. If these kids think I'm okay, then my wife tolerates me, then I should be okay. It doesn't matter. Only what Jesus thinks and my family at the time. <clears throat> 88% of millennials use Facebook weekly, followed by Generation X at 83% and 79% of baby boomers are on Facebook weekly. YouTube is growing among Canadians who are over 50 years old. In 2019, you'll find that 72% of millennials, 67% of Generation X, and 50% of baby boomers are on YouTube. That's pretty, pretty high. Twitter. Similar across all age groups, 30% of millennials, 33% of Generation X, and 27% of baby boomers use this weekly. Instagram, 59% of millennials, 36% of Generation X, and 23% of baby boomers in Canada use these apps or websites weekly. A report found out that women are more likely to use social media daily, 75%, compared to 62% of men. They are more likely to share more things, 68% to 57 or undertake do-it-yourself projects using YouTube or Pinterest or whatever, 41% versus 26%, and even incorporate digital stuff into their daily fitness routines, 25% versus 20%. So people are very concerned about what others think, about how people look at them. There's a study that shows that when you get a, a like on Facebook or Instagram or any of these things, that it releases a chemical in our, our brains that it's, it's very similar to what someone experiences when they take a drug. And people become addicted to it and they can't live without it and they, they they post things, and if they don't get the likes that they're looking for, it just causes them to go down a spiral. And I'm glad that something that I didn't have to deal with as a child. Can you imagine when you were 15, everything you ever did online, everyone knowing about it? That would be awful. I'm so sorry, Megan. But I'm glad that that wasn't something I had to deal with. But people deal with it now. We are very concerned with how people look at us and what people think about us. We spend a lot of time wondering about what others think. A lot of time worrying and stressing and assuming about what other people think and how they view us. It causes anxiety, it causes depression, and it makes us feel like we aren't good enough. We're not measuring up. There's... People that commit suicide because of stuff that's said to them online by people they don't even know, which shouldn't even matter in their lives, but it does. Society, we live in a society that overvalues the opinions of others and strangers more than 
family and friends. And this woman, she, in this story we read, she was caught in the middle of adultery and everyone around her knew what she did. This is before Instagram, before Facebook. There was no post, but everybody knew what she had done. She was caught in the middle of adultery. And I don't know about you, but as far as I know, it takes two people to commit adultery. But somehow she was the only one that was in trouble. She was set up, and she thought this guy loved her, but in the end, she was betrayed and stabbed in the back, and there was sin, obviously, that was part of it, but she was not alone in the act. And here, she finds herself. Her worst dreams have come true. No one wants their sins on parade. Nobody wants to be judged by everyone around them. And here she was in the middle of this crowd. It was her against the rest. It was her against these religious leaders, these people that were holier than her, these people that thought that she was nothing and they were so incredible and they had never done anything wrong. And it was her against the law. And maybe maybe she didn't even know the guy was married. Maybe, maybe she was the one that was married. We don't really know all of the details. I don't know, but there she is. Trapped by this, caught and embarrassed, her secret on display for all to see, her shame and her sin on display for all to see. There's nowhere to hide, there's no protection for her. It says, And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman caught, taken in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down with his finger, wrote in the ground as though he heard them not. And there are times when people are watching us. There are times when people are judging us. There are times when people are against us, when things start falling down around us. And life isn't going the way that we hoped it would. Life isn't going the way we planned it would. And we've been exposed. And all of a sudden, our sins are on display. Our secret is out. And everyone is looking. And everyone is talking. And our failures are just out there for everyone to see. David, we talked a few weeks ago, he brought the ark the wrong way the first time. 30,000 people saw him fail. 60,000 eyes witnessed David fail in front of everyone. And he had to come back in the face of that. And Peter denied Jesus in front of a crowd. He turned his back on Jesus in front of a crowd. And whenever things like that happen, people judge. That's what they do. It's awful, but that's what they do. I know none of you do it. And that's what people do outside of you, lovely group. It's awful. Everyone knows what to do, except you. Ever have that happen? Working at McDonald's, every customer knew how to do my job, except for me. I was the only idiot, had no idea what I was doing. They all knew how to run a restaurant better than I did. Every phone call I got, people knew how to do it better than I did. Same with parenting. Everybody knows how to do it better than you. Pastoring, we're not going to go there. Anything in life, when you fail, everyone around you seems to know how to do it better than you do. Everyone, needs, everyone knows what you need to do. And I tell you, oh, you should have did this. You should have did that. Well, where were you before? 
I'm not helping now. Everyone knows what you need to do, what you should have done, except for you. And it's awful. It's an awful feeling and it's frustrating. Well, you should have did this. You probably should have did that instead. Obviously. But I don't need that right now. I don't need you to tell me what I should have done. I don't need you to point a finger at me right now and tell me what I've done is wrong. I know what I've done is wrong. I know I've messed up. I know it's not going the way it's supposed to be. I don't need that right now. When someone is in a mess, the last thing they need is a bunch of self-righteous know-it-alls telling them what they've done is wrong. They don't need it. They know they've done wrong. This woman knew she was wrong. She didn't need the fingers pointing at her. She didn't need the judging eyes. She didn't need the humiliation of being ripped out of her home or wherever she was and just thrown out in the street in front of everyone. She didn't need that. And it's easy to look at someone else when they're down and say, well, 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 aren't we in a pickle now? If only you'd done the right thing like I would have done. I wouldn't have done that. All that does is hinder. All that does is hold a person back. We don't need to be judging people who fall. They need forgiveness, not another frown. They need grace, not gossip. They need a hand, not a harsh word. They need a prayer, not another put down. The only thing the crowd did right in this story was they brought her to Jesus. They brought her for the wrong attitude and the wrong reason, but they did the right thing. It's easy for us to judge somebody else. That's fallen. It's easy for us to judge somebody that their, all their sins are on display and everyone knows in the town what they've done. Everyone knows what's happened. It's easy to point a finger and it's hard to forgive. Anyone can judge. All it takes is a pair of eyes and a bad attitude. So this woman, she was caught and they brought her and threw her at Jesus. She wasn't put together. She was a bit of a mess. She was caught in the act. Wasn't pretty. And they threw her at Jesus, which happened to be the perfect place for her at that moment. Amen. The perfect place to be forgiven. The perfect place to be restored or redeemed is in the presence of Jesus. Because in his presence there is freedom. In his presence there is forgiveness. In his presence there is redemption and a second chance. In his presence there is restoration and grace and mercy. No matter what the sin is. Regardless of what the loss is, in his presence, there is forgiveness. No matter what the sin is, in his presence, there is redemption. And she had failed and she had fallen and she blew it. And he was the best place for her to go. The presence of Jesus. And when we fail, when we fall, the best place to be is in his presence. Even if people maybe drag us there, we don't want to. And while they judged, and while they looked at her, and while they condemned her and said, the law says that she should die, the law says this should happen, Jesus ignored them. And Jesus just started writing on the ground. We don't know what he wrote. There's a lot of speculation, but the Bible just says that he started writing on the ground. He completely ignored the critics in this situation. He completely ignored the judgment of others. He wasn't listening. He stopped listening to them. And Jesus, tonight, he's not listening to the critics. He's not listening to the judges. He's not listening to the people that are pointing fingers. He's not concerned about what they think. He's not concerned about them. He is concerned about you and where you are at. And while they're talking and they're pointing fingers and they're gossiping and they're trying to bring you down or 
whatever. He is ignoring them and he's writing on the ground. For the first time, it didn't matter what people were saying. For the first time, it didn't matter what people were thinking or doing. For the first time, the critics did not matter. Their judging didn't matter. Nothing mattered because she was in the presence of Jesus. And in his presence, opinions of others don't matter. In his presence, judging eyes have no effect. In his presence, the words of others don't matter. In his presence, the critics and all they have to say and all they have to offer do not matter. It does not change his opinion of you. It doesn't affect how he sees you. It doesn't affect how he loves you or how he treats you. In his presence, you are valued. In his presence, you are important. Even if up till now you feel like you aren't. Even if up till now you feel like you're useless or dirty, you've been used, whatever has happened, it doesn't matter because in his presence you are the most important to him. You're in his presence now. Now you matter. Now you have value. Now you are important. Now you have his attention, not theirs. They don't matter anymore. The judging of others may have driven you to Jesus, may have brought you here, but now they don't matter. It's you and Jesus now. And sometimes circumstances and people are used to get us to where we are at. But right now is a holy moment. Right now is you and Jesus. We can forget the others. You can forget what brought you here. You can forget what drove you here. That's not what matters anymore. What matters is that you are in his presence and what he has is what you need. You can forget the others, what they say, what's happened. It doesn't matter. This lady, her lover wasn't there. The critics didn't matter. It was her and Jesus. That guy that she was involved with was just as guilty as her, but society picked her to be the one that was judged. People are going to judge who they want. I don't know if you noticed, but some people seem to get a free ride. People are going to judge who they want. The enemy is going to attack who he wants. Verse 7 says, When they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast the stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And Jesus ignored them. And they kept pushing it. They kept pointing the finger. They hey, what are you going to do? What are you going to do about this? This woman's guilty. What are you going to do? And Jesus said a remarkable thing. He said, he that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. <coughs> Sorry. And there's a thing with critics. The judgmental people. They all have stuff too. They all have things they've done. No one is perfect. <coughs> Sorry, forgive me. Everyone has something that they are ashamed of. Everyone has secrets, struggles, sins that they deal with. No one is in position to judge anyone else. We all fail. We all fall. We all, we all mess up. <clears throat> Not everyone, or sorry, no one is perfect. There's only one who's perfect, and his name is Jesus. And that whole crowd, there was only one person, according to that criteria, who could throw the stone. And it was Jesus. There was only one without sin, Jesus. And if he would have thrown it first, it would have all been over. He didn't say, 
Nobody else could throw afterwards. He said, whoever has no sin, let him throw the first stone. And then after that, it's a free-for-all. The only one there that could have judged her, the only one there that could have thrown a stone was Jesus. But he didn't. He's the only one that can have any effect on our soul. He's the only one that have any effect on eternity. And he's not throwing stones tonight. Only Jesus affects eternity. People can talk all they want. People can hurt, can hurt you. People can complain. People can judge and say what they want. They can attack. But in the end, it doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is Jesus' opinion. And his opinion is that he loves you. On 3.16, he so loved the world. Romans 5 and 8 says, For God commanded his love toward us, and that yet, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners, he loved us. He died for us when we were sinners. Not because we were awesome, not because we were forgiven already, but because I mean, while we were sinners. In the middle of the mess, in the middle of the sin, in the middle of the filth, in the middle of the secret shame, he loved us while we were sinners. While this woman was caught in the very act of sin, Jesus loved anyway. Trisha, please. Verse 9 says, And they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even to the last, and Jesus was left alone. And the woman standing in the midst. <clears throat> they all left. The accusers don't matter. Don't worry about the people that are judging. Don't worry about the accusers. Don't worry about the critics. Don't worry about the people that are pointing fingers at you and telling you, oh, you should have did this instead. You should have did that. You... You messed up. You're a failure. What do you think you're? What do you think you're doing? You have, you're not doing it right. What do you? Don't worry about those people. Jesus will take care of that. Jesus shut up the accusers. He silenced them. He quieted them. And one by one, they started dropping the stone that they had. One by one, they let the stone fall from their hands, and they were out of ammunition. And when we look at ourselves, it's harder for us to judge others. Because I'm not better than you, and you're not better than me. We need Jesus just the same. And in the end, it's not, it doesn't matter what people say. In the end, it doesn't matter what people do or what they try or how they judge or criticize. They can't affect how Jesus sees you. And here was this woman caught in the middle of sin. There was evidence. Everyone knew. She was humiliated. She was ashamed. She was caught up in this but Jesus loved her anyway no matter where you're at no matter what you are in no matter what is going on in your life tonight he loves you still and we live in a time of grace and there's still mercy and there's still forgiveness tonight verse 11 says she said no man Lord and Jesus said to her neither do I condemn thee go and sin no more was forgiveness in the presence of Jesus. In the presence of Jesus, there is forgiveness. In the presence of Jesus, there's no condemnation. There's no judgment tonight in his presence. There's forgiveness, there's grace, 
that there's mercy. So come to him tonight. There's healing and he's writing on the ground. He's not judging. He's, not, he's forgiving. He's ignoring the haters, ignoring the critics, ignoring the judges, the accusers, and the enemy. He's not paying attention to any of that tonight. Romans 8 and 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. There's no condemnation. Come to Him. Walk with Him. There's no condemnation tonight. There's no judgment tonight. There's only grace and mercy. Grace gives us what we don't deserve, which is a second chance. And mercy doesn't give us what we do deserve, which is judgment. This woman that was caught, she, according to the law, she was guilty. According to the law, she deserved to die. But Jesus showed her mercy, and she didn't get that. And he showed her grace and gave her another chance. He said, go and sin now more, no more. Both mercy and grace are found in the presence of Jesus. Come to Jesus. The woman was the only one in that whole scene who was forgiven. Every one of those people had sin in their lives. Every one of them dropped the stone. Every one of them had something that they knew they needed to get rid of. They knew was holding them back from God. Every one of them had sin. They all dropped stones and they all walked away. But the woman is the only one who received forgiveness. The old woman is the only one who got what she needed and had her life changed. The haters, the gossipers, the judges, they need Jesus just as much. They missed out because they were more focused on what this woman did than who Jesus was. Don't miss out on what Jesus can do in your life because you're so focused on someone else's sin someone else's shortcoming or someone else's failings. Don't miss out on what Jesus can do in your life. He could have restored every one of them if they wanted it. He could have forgave every one of them. They were in the presence of Jesus just the same as this woman was. Don't miss out on what Jesus can do because you're focused on someone else. Don't let someone else come between you and God. Don't let someone else come between you and forgiveness. Don't let someone else come between you and being restored and being delivered and being set free. He's writing on the ground. He's ignoring the words of the critics. In the presence of Jesus, there is forgiveness for all. There's mercy for all. There's grace for all. We just need to repent. We just need to turn to him. And let him forgive. And put down the stone that you have. And let him move. And let's see. Jesus, we're going to open the altar. If you feel like you're that woman tonight. You feel like everyone's judging you. You feel like everyone's looking at you. Everyone's got an opinion. Jesus is here tonight. He can silence the critics and he can set you free.
Maybe you're like one of those guys with the stones. Maybe you get focused on what other people do and you, you get caught up and you don't realize but it's actually holding you back from getting what you need from God. There's forgiveness. There's mercy. There's grace for you tonight. Amen. We're going to open the altar. You want to come and pray? And pray with somebody. Let's just find a place and pray talk to God tonight. Let him heal. Let him forgive. Let him restore. Let him move. In Jesus' name.